Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So my name is Ian Fergaista, and I own Regalis Foods. But you're a, you're a natural-born hustler. Yeah, I'm definitely like a reincarnated used car salesman. <laughs> Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to a brand new season of Munchies, the podcast. So we took a break, we took a month off, and we came back to discover the great news. The world is still spinning. We're super excited to kick off the new year and this new season with something weird and delicious. Today, we're talking truffles. So this has come up on the show a few times, and if you've been listening, you probably know that I've worked some pretty crazy jobs before finally winding up as editor-in-chief of Munchies. About five years ago, I actually worked as a truffle dealer, like the stinky fungus. And I know that probably sounds like some made-up dream job, but I was actually trying to make it as a freelance food writer. So I started selling this stuff on the side to pay my bills. As a truffle dealer, I'd go to JFK early in the morning pick up some precious shipments from Europe, and then I'd spend the day pushing these beautiful things to the city's finest chefs and restaurants as if I was some sort of culinary drug dealer. But I think that's one of the really amazing things about New York City. If you can imagine a weird opportunity or a way to make money here, there's probably someone doing it. I was living a dual life. I'd be writing at every opportunity and then waking up to text messages at 2 a.m. with some guy on the other end asking for 500 grams of white for 10 a.m. the next day. Truffles really are like drugs of the food world. They're not exactly easy to get your hands on. And when you do find them, they're crazy expensive. It's honestly a flavor you can't forget. The thing is, truffles are 98% water. So from the minute you get it at the airport to the minute you have to sell it, your product's depreciating, so you got to move it fast. And that was a crazy experience. But there's a piece of the story that's actually really remarkable. Ian, the guy that I worked for, was the mastermind behind the whole truffle hustle, if you will. And he was only 19 years old. Ian Perkaisa got his first taste of truffles when he was still in high school. He became absolutely obsessed. And after he graduated, he moved from Arkansas to New York City. And it wasn't long before he became a renowned truffle dealer, mainly because of the quality of his products, but also because he was so incredibly young. Today, Ian owns his own company called Regalis Foods, and he's expanded into all kinds of amazing rare and forged products. And he's even got a line of caviar that he's developed with David Chang of Momofuku. But truffles are still the heart of his business. And these days, he's selling hundreds of pounds a week. We're meeting up with Ian at his warehouse in Long Island City. It's a nondescript building surrounded by chop shops and factories in a totally industrial section of New York. It doesn't look like food heaven from the street. But as soon as you walk in, you're bombarded with this unmistakable funk that is fresh truffles. Anyway, 
way. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. This is why I was a terrible salesman. I just, yeah. I remember looking on the classifieds and it literally just said like needed truffle sorter slash like office assistant or something. Right. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I clicked on the info and it was like, yeah, come weigh truffles and like do some <laughs> administrative work. And I was like, that sounds like my fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling you on the phone because I had emailed you and been like, hey, is this still listed? Because right. it had been up for a while. We talked on the phone and like the voice on the other line was like, hi, yes, <laughs> it's still available. Can you come in for an interview tomorrow? And I remember being like, yeah, no, you sounded like a you know, grown ass adult. And I oh, okay. went to Hoboken uh-huh. And I remember walking from the train station to the 20 minute walk mm-hmm. to the what, reverse commute, the reverse commute, which was very <laughs> exotic. Yeah. Yes. But when I walked up to the it was a warehouse, like a huge warehouse. And it looked like a scene from The Sopranos because it was the warehouse at night that you go into and murder someone. And when I opened the door, I remember seeing people like running up and down the stairwell and I was worried for them because they were all sweating and panting <laughs> and I was like are you okay and somebody was like oh yeah yeah, we're working out because there was a crossfit, the CrossFit next and it smelled crazy because like <clears throat> when you open that door into this stairwell well, it smelled like paint thinner yeah well that but no it smelled like truffles which at the time <laughs> paint you don't know what truffles. that smells like it's a crazy offensive like whew. and then you open the door and there was this like 19 year old kid and this weird older italian man and i was like what's happening here what's going on (laughs) you know yeah uh it was i guess an old carpet factory so (laughs) there were there was carpet on the wall carpet on the ceiling we just had like a little space carved out of that warehouse for our stuff but like you were running a truffle company for this, like, Italian millionaire mm-hmm. going yeah. into New York City every day, hustling accounts in your sad PT cruiser, which had, like, the hubcaps falling off because you had worked so hard. Well, I'd gotten rammed by 10 different cabs. Yeah, over well, the that's it. Three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Well, like, you know, when people ask me about what was it like to be a truffle dealer, I always think about you in the sense that First of all, you're so young, but I think it's rare for people to truly understand like why you did it because it's so unique that you. I, I just became totally obsessed with mushrooms and truffles that I knew that was what I wanted to pursue and kind of. I, I tasted my very first truffle dish when I was 15. I was visiting some friends. Um, and they invited, invited me out to dinner and they were like, order anything on the menu. And I was like, oh, I got to take advantage of this. We don't have this fancy shit, you know, back in Arkansas. So I ordered the truffle ravioli dish because truffles are regarded as like the king of all mushrooms. Um, and like from that moment on, like, you know, the earthiness and just this like strange and exotic flavor, just totally, you know, like took over but the flavor of a truffle is like very hard to describe like everyone has their own interpretation of what it smells like there was a guy that once told me that white truffles smelled like weed and italian sausage to him to me they have like a very strong garlic and like almost cheesy aroma 
the black truffles have, I know you guys were saying like leather and kind of gasoline. I think they have like a very like sharp cognac, almost like chocolatey, like very earthy aroma, which Helen's shaking her head. <laughs> um, it smells uh, like Kalamata olives that have like gone off. That's how I would describe it. In a good yeah. way. I think they smell good, but I'm clearly a white truffle girl myself. But but it's really like one of the last wild foods out there that's really hard to Well, it's like the it's, it's honestly the last entirely natural ingredient. I mean, they've never been successfully cultivated on a commercial scale. Um, the white truffle in particular has never been successfully cultivated. Um, and they grow underground. I mean, truffles are a underground fungus that grow on tree roots. I mean, they have a symbiotic relationship with with trees and they can only be found by trained animal and due to their high perishability, which is often like a week, um, that just furthers their allure and their price. I mean, people ask me all the time, like why do truffles cost so much? It's because, you know, all of those different things. I mean, there's hardly any, they've never been cultivated and they grow underground. Um, and then I, I got back to Arkansas and I was like, all right, mom, like, can you buy me a truffle or two? Like, I really want to like replicate this ravioli, ravioli dish. And she was basically like, hell no. Like we're in Arkansas. Like this is like <laughs> our like simple life now that we've started. So I was like, okay, like, I need to figure out a way of like getting my hands on some truffles. So that's when I started like surfing the web and kind of spending the next six months researching truffles and like checking out books at the library on truffles and like just learning as much as I could about you know, everything. And that's when I found this small French company um, that was willing to send me a kilo of black summer truffles. So I used like my Christmas and birthday um, savings from like several years that I had pulled together to buy these truffles and they were FedExed and several days later they arrived and I realized a kilo of truffle is actually quite a lot of truffles. So um, that's when I started cold calling the three best restaurants in Arkansas because Arkansas only has like three high-end restaurants. Um, so I stopped at like Target and bought a cheap scale and then at, like Office Depot for like a little invoice book <laughs> and uh, just showed up at the front door and was like, where's the kitchen? Like, where's the chef? I've got some truffles, you know, um, do you want to buy them? <laughs> and that's, that's what happened. And then uh, I was able to sell everything except for like one or two truffles, which I later... I mean, I cooked with because that was my original intention. And then for the next year, I just kept cold calling local restaurants. My parents would take turns driving me to like Houston and Austin and these different larger cities um, to cold call product. And I would just hop out and, you know, walk in the back door and say, oh, I've got truffles. And then that's when um, I started realizing, you know, this could actually be a business. Thinking about being a truffle dealer, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but like you are Skyping with a truffle hunter somewhere in Croatia who's probably not wearing pants, but is wearing like a button up shirt to talk to you to be like, yes, we have truffles today. <laughs> and they won't tell you their location because like they don't want to give up their source. You get this box of stuff. You drive to the airport, JFK, to this weird cargo center where there's like literally dead bodies live puppies and you know christian louboutin shoes waiting to be picked up by somebody and then you drive into the city and you have to garner a new account and you walk into the kitchen and you're the asshole because it's like 
coming into a kitchen either right before service or whatever time it is. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And they don't know who you are. It's like, it's like get out of here. Time, yeah. It's horrifying. Like it's actually yeah, no, horrifying it's like... to have to do that because you have such a ability to do it fearlessly whereas i here i was this like food writer who was writing for like gq and these other places during my day job and i had worked as a cook so i knew that like going into kitchens was the social cues in there of being terrified of pissing people off also i'm a woman so i like walking in to the kitchen it's like hey little lady like you you can get out of here Right. And having to show them what the product is, I mean, that's kind of where you shine because you can school them on, no, actually, this is from here, grows this way. I mean, you are a hustler, but it's all real knowledge. It's not like you're BSing people. Well, I kind of had to, like, you know, put the brakes on early on because I, I felt, like, really confident, I feel like, in, the, in like, the, like, the early days. And, like, I kind of had to wean off of, like, that confidence a little bit because sometimes it would like get me in trouble with with restaurants with with chefs because like some chefs are just so like egotistical where it's like you know you really can't teach you know like an old dog new tricks when you started regalis we were also thinking about like there are so many truffle businesses out there if you will and so it was like what could you do to be better and i feel like much like you know people compare truffle dealing to drug dealing because it is it's like pushing weight etc but like that's why we did start selling the forage stuff you know the sumac the um well we wanted to be different from like everyone else and i think that like we we realized that forage edibles this was like in the height of like noma's peak and like the scandinavian foraging um you know movement and no other company was selling like you know japanese knotweed and black locust flower and sea rocket and you know wild bamboo heart and like all these random forage edibles which i think we both realized were not going to be a money maker <laughs> but something that could set us apart from the rest I remember walking into Danielle for the very first time and I knew, you know, they must have gotten hounded by like 20 different truffle people every year. Um, but I knew if I walked in with something different, I could, you know, get their attention. And I walked in with um, like this really aromatic elderflower and they were like, oh, this is like awesome. Like we can't buy elderflower from anyone else. And then I kind of used that as a way of like, transitioning to like other products and being like oh we've got the mushrooms oh and we've got the truffles and so like every time i would walk in i'd be like oh yeah and we like also do these other things and so i think that's that's really like how like what the success like the recipe for success was early on was like not going in the door right away with truffles um what these other ingredients which we weren't making any money on so it was um it was like walking in this fine line of like you know, how much time do we devote to selling these products that we make no money on when, 
you know, that's like the key to like getting these accounts, basically. Well, it's kind of like, here's a dime bag of weed. Here, try a little cocaine. Here, try heroin. It's cool. <laughs> like, that's kind of what we were doing. But I also feel like there used to be a uh, weirdo who was a forager. I won't name this person. <laughs> But somebody who's nomadic and would literally, like, send FedEx boxes of, like, foraged items to restaurants. Mm -hmm. And, like, they had this amazing ability because they were, they'd be like, this is, you know, wild Angelica. And here's some, like, you know, prickly ash and whatever. They'd be like, I went to the fields of New Hampshire and I spent an afternoon there looking for this for you, chef. And people would love it. He wouldn't make any money on it, but that was, like, our competitor in terms of being, like, all but right. But he was, like, so sketchy, and, like, he would go MIA, like, all the time. So I think our reliability is, like, what was able to, like, win over customers. Because this guy would, like, just totally disappear. And actually, early on, I had a conversation with him about distributing his product, and he was, like, all for it. And then at the very last moment, he was like, oh, actually, no, I don't want to do that. So I was like, okay, well, we're still going to do this. So he got really pissed that he was, like, sending those threatening text messages. Oh, that's right. He like, was like, every month. Your Matsutake's not from Maine, is it? You're lying to me. Uh, yeah, Whatever. Was, anyway, there's, there's countless. Do you remember weirdos. that time that we tried to get Wild Angelica from those foragers in California? And it was not Angelica. And it was actually... Uh, hemlock which is deadly <laughs> so we literally we we like wild angelica is basically like wild rhubarb right essentially yeah so we like we find this dude well no ian finds this guy in california who's some like whatever dude who claims to know some foragers and these foragers are like yeah yeah we can totally get wild angelica <laughs> and ian's like on his cell phone going please, can you verify? Like, please identify it because it's a dead ringer for hemlock. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how many pounds do you want? And we're like 20 pounds or something yeah. for like what, Danielle or some fancy account. Sure. And by the time we go through this, I'm like, Ian, what's the deal if we kill people accidentally <laughs> with like wild edibles? Because like... Yeah, it, like it was always so <laughs> difficult because it was like, there's so many lookalike plants that are poisonous that... You know, we could only sell stuff if we were 100% confident in, like, you know, what they actually were. And it was funny because, like, we were selling in Arkansas. Um, I would forage for these fruit called pawpaw, which they're essentially a tropical oh. fruit. Um, but they, they're, like, indigenous to North America. And they grow from, like, Florida all the way up to Maine. And I would find them in Arkansas. And so I was like, oh, we should, like start selling pawpaws because like no one else has them and sure enough like no one knew what a pawpaw was like we would take them to like you know i don't even know who jean george and like uh, la bernadette and whoever else and they and like no one knew what a pawpaw was and it was it's essentially a fruit that has like a cross between like a mango and banana kind of flavor and it has these giant black seeds and like historically <laughs> like if you eat these black seeds you have like scratchy ass syndrome <laughs> so we knew like keep away from the seeds no, wait, was, wait, wait. Well, they was, will make you like projectile vomit too. Well, like it's gnarly. <laughs> yes, that's yes. So um, there was this restaurant called Gwinnett Street in Brooklyn, oh, and it was like up and coming and like really hot. And we started selling them product, and we sold them pawpaw, and we told them like make sure you don't eat the seeds. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. So there's this machine called a Paco Jet, which basically like 
you know, like turns anything <laughs> into like perfect sorbet. And so they just put pure pawpaw pulp <laughs> in this like cylinder and froze it and they didn't screen it for like seeds. So they pureed it and did whatever. And I think like there was this one time where they were all trying the sorbet and there were like 10 chefs, like all in a circle, like all taking a bite <laughs> at the same time. And they all projectile vomited. And then like diarrhea the, for like a day. A day, probably longer. Yeah. Um, but that was the thing. We were like, it is really cool fruit. Like what you and I share is a rain man slash dork factor, which is like, as a kid, I was obsessed with frogs and classifying all of them. Then it was turtles then it was rocks, and then I, you know, it went on from there. And you were the same way, where it's like, the truffle thing and the, the wild food thing, I don't, it's obvious where it came from to me. Like, you started with rocks and diamond cutting when you were 10. Yes, that's that's like a whole different story. <laughs> but yes. No, I was... but you, you focus in on these things, and I feel like you seek out these items in a way that, like, you have an unbelievable ability to master sort of like a taxonomy of a thing, like much like the diamond cutting, which you and sit around and hang out with like 80 year old men and literally diamond cut and sell rocks to his classmates. Right. Yeah. No, like when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with rocks and gemstones and I don't know, like there's like this reoccurring theme in my life of like being obsessed with like, items that are rare and like hard to find and unusual and like being a truffle dealer or just like a specialty foods person in new york city especially i think is one of the greatest jobs because you get to see weird things on the street like working for you i saw a crying clown in costume (laughs) on their cell phone (laughs) on fifth avenue crying and then I saw Chuck Close get out of his minivan and check out his who I thought was his assistant, like took a nice long look at her derriere as she walked into his studio. And then I realized like, oh, that's his fiance. And I got to like see inside his studio as I was carrying like six boxes of mushrooms. But you get to see <clears throat> these like special moments in New York that no one else does because you're doing these drop offs at pretty high profile places and you're going all over the city and i feel like that's something that i miss a lot but not too much yeah (laughs) thank you so much to ian perkaista for sharing some truffles and posting that classified ad all those years ago because i probably would have been out of a job if it wasn't for him and thanks so much to Sean Gray of Momofuku Co. and my fantastic podcast producer, Phil Domahovsky. It's good to be back in the saddle with you, kid. Ian actually has a new book out. It's called Truffle Boy, and you should definitely check it out. We're just getting started this year. We have some amazing stuff planned for you guys. We'll be back in two weeks with the next episode. So until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, too. And if you like the show, show us some love. Rate it on iTunes because it actually helps us out. I'm Helen Holliman. I'll catch you soon.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.